three, two, one. And welcome back to the SBH podcast. So uh, in this podcast, I'm going to be going over fishing reel drags. Um, and more importantly, I'm just going to be talking about, mostly talking about Vanstall. And um, and like the fact that I have, I own two Vanstalls. I've always wondered, what is the drag on it? I've like, for the life of me, I've looked online, I've looked at forums, and I've seen so many different drags in even like different tackle stores or bigger brand tackle stores that have that sell them and say, oh, this is the drag, the max drag, or this is the max drag. And they're all different. So I wanted to know for myself what the max drag is for the Vanstall VSX um, and really other reels in general. Um, and the reason I wanted to do this is I fish in the most ridiculous conditions possible to land a big fish. I fish where there's a ton of boulders. I fish where their rocks are huge and very, uh, <laughs> the rocks are covered in barnacles and mussels. And when the line, your line snaps instantly, if it touches the barnacles and if it's not really, really heavy line. So I fish extremely, extremely heavy like as and I preach it in almost all of my, you know, podcasts, I've been talking about fish as heavy as you can, fish as heavy as you can. And that's the thing, like, I want to be fishing the heaviest as I can. And so I owned a VSX 200. And I caught a lot of big fish last season on that reel. I, I love that reel. I mean, it's a great reel. It's almost it's the perfect size for 99.9% of people that fish but then when you get to that one percent where you have that one percent of guys that are catching a lot of really big fish and they're catching a lot of really big fish in very very difficult conditions uh you i needed to get a reel that was even bigger and when i bought my 275 this winter uh i knew that i wanted i knew i wanted a vanstall and the thing is vanstall to me and especially the VSX series of reels are the best waterproof reels out there. And what I do in the fishing that I do, as I just explained, I mean, I'm every single time I'm fishing, especially out on the rocks, I'm getting pounded by waves. I'm dunking my reel. I'm reeling my reel underwater. Um, and I need a reel that is perfectly sealed all season long. And I've had my Vanstall VSX 200 for two years now. I fished it. I've gotten it wet, I've swam with it, I've reeled it underwater, and every single year it works the entire season, and at the very end of the fall, it starts getting a little bit crunchy in the reeling. Not crunchy, but the resistance of the reeling is not as good as it was. Um, and so the thing that I've had to, well, the thing that I do is I service it every winter, and I get it back in the, like whatever, in the winter, and I have the reel perfectly smooth, for most of the season, especially most of the season when the fish are the biggest, and you want everything working as best as it can, uh, and the, the and I fish my reels harder than most people fish because I have the ability to fish pretty much seven days a week, and I or and sometimes even twice a day. So I feel like on average I'm fishing five days five days a week at least once a day, um, but I fish almost seven days a week. Uh, and sometimes even twice a day, especially around the moon phases. Um, 
And every single time I was out fishing, especially last year, I was getting my reel dunked. I was put like I was pushing everything to the limit. All my gear was getting pushed to the limit. Um, and I needed I needed a reel. I needed another reel. I needed a bigger reel because I was catching a lot of really big fish and they were taking off and they were going and going and going. And every foot that the fish took off my reel, every foot of line, my heart was sinking because that's every foot is a percent of chance that you don't land that fish. Um, and so when I bought the Vanstall VSX 200 or 275, I mean, um, I, I believe that it was that the drag would be more. I also believe that, or I knew that I could have heavier line on it. And that's something big for me. As I said, I want as heavy line as I can go. I have 80 pound line on this. I have 50 pound line on my other reel. Um, and so what I would actually scared the crap out of me is when I was doing my testing here to figure out what the actual max drag for the Vanstall VSX is. Um, my 50 pound braid, um, which is Power Pro Generation 2 braid, snapped at, I think it was between eight and 10 when I was pulling the line out. Uh, and I was scared. I was like, wow, that is not good. Cause I fish like, so I, I would lock my drag down. When I was fishing all last year with the Vanstall VSX 200, I would get my drag knob and I would lock it down all the way like until I could not move the, the drag knob anymore. And that's how I would fish every single time I would fish. And I would have bass pull yards and yards of line out. Um, yeah, like easily 50, yeah, like 50 yards, I'd say, with max with my max drag on my VSX 200 in the spot. Um, and realistically, I mean, when a lot of fishermen talk about, oh, the fish pulled out 200 yards a line. I mean, that's the only time I'd really believe that is if you're fishing the Cape Cod Canal. But otherwise, they don't pull out quite as much as you'd think they do, um, unless they're an extremely heavy current. But so realistically, I got most of the time between 50, maybe 70 yards at most. Um, depending on my drag and when my drag was locked down, there's other times that I didn't have my drag locked down. They probably pulled more than that, but when my drag was fully locked down, which was most of the time and I was fishing, uh, out on the rocks as far, like as far out as I could go, I would be fishing. Um, and these fish were dogging me on this reel and I, I was scared a lot of times. I was super fortunate and very, very lucky because luck definitely played a role in this because I've seen people in that, I've had nights where I've <laughs> snapped off a lot in that area and when I bring other people out and they don't fight fish like I do, which is like extremely hard. I fight fish hard, like I don't know anybody that fights a fish as hard as I do um, because number one, like for me, yeah, it's fun to watch a fish peel out drag, but I kind of want to catch the fish and um, it's also one of those things that, like, if you're fishing with a plug, it's like 20 bucks. It's a $20 bill on the end of your line. So that's not fun to be breaking off. Um, it helps a little bit when you, like one of the nights I lost the most plugs was I was fishing with Joe from Pumba Plugs, who was on the podcast. It was one of my favorite podcasts to date. And we, we probably lost, I don't know, maybe eight plugs between the two of us um, that night. Uh, and some of them were like the triple jointed swimmers and stuff. So not, not a cheap night of fishing, put it that way. I mean, it was, it was very, uh, it was tough, but at least I was with him and he was like, well, at least, you know, a guy. 
So, um, and that's the thing, you know, when I'm fishing, I, I just, you know, I try to, I try to keep it as like, the thing is like with the fishing that I do, I couldn't fish with a pen real, like a pen battle. I couldn't fish with a pen battle. Uh, I couldn't even fish with a pen spin fisher, the, or whatever they are now. I don't even know spent the pen fish. Oh my gosh. The pen spin fisher series of reels. Um, because the thing is, like, those reels are sealed pretty well, but the way I fish, I'd kill it in, like, a few months. The, the Vansalls are really the only thing that I've found that can, are in the, they're worth their weight and how expensive they are. Because if you think about it, you have a, a pen battle. And back when the pen battles were, came out pretty recently, they're $100. And I, me not fishing the way I do now, would kill that reel twice a year and that was me fishing light like barely getting my reel splashed keeping my reel as sheltered as possible i'd, I'd kill it twice a year the gears on the inside would get ex literally i'd be fighting a fish it'd pull a little bit of drag and the, the the gears would explode on the inside of the reel could barely reel could barely barely reel and the 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 thing just blew up on the inside and i had it happen twice a year and luckily Penn has a great um, service, but you know, and they actually gave me a free, like a brand new reel back. But the thing is like you, you don't want that to happen when you're fishing. I would be so pissed if I was fishing and I hooked a 40 pound bass and I lost it because my drag exploded in my reel. I would take that reel off and chuck it into the night because I'd be so mad. Um, so to me, it's worth the extra like $500 because if you think about it, you kill a $100 reel five times, you're there pretty much. So, and what if you're killing a reel that's 200 or $300? Still much cheaper than a Van Stahl. If you kill that twice, maybe three times in two years, and you're there um and that's why like for me like getting this might seem like way too expensive for a lot of people but if you're fishing very ex if you're ex fishing very extremely uh i mean the fan stall creates reels that are not as sealed and are a little bit smoother i actually haven't touched them the vr series i need to get my hands on one of those for a little bit um, and see what it's up. But um, I've heard they're fantastic. And if you fish hard, but you don't like reel your reel underwater and you're not getting like hammered by waves all the time, yeah, that reel can take it, but it's not as sealed as this. So I think it's like, that would be a great reel to use if you're, you know, if you're like wanting to get a reel that's more sealed, but you don't wanna break the bank. Cause I think that's a cheaper reel. I don't know the exact pricing of that. I think it's like what, maybe three, $400. I don't know. Um, so that's why, um, so anyway, I wanna get into how I actually did this. So the way I did this is I took a, um, one of these bungee weights, like the handles. I took a bungee weight handle off the bungee. I took a like a travel bag weighing tool or like scale. Um, and so what this is, is it's it just, you know, it's just like a little scale here and it's very accurate. So um, 
the, the I, I weighed this with a 10 pound weight and a 35 pound weight. The 10 pound weight was 10 pounds even, the 35 was 34.8. And for me, that's perfect. Like, you know, that's dead accurate. So, wow, I'm botching, <laughs> botching that word, but whatever. Um, so this, so the thing is, so I know that this is gonna be the right weight for the drag that's getting pulled. And so what I did is I just attached it like this and I pulled for the 200, the VSX 200 and the v VSX 275. And I got weights that I was kind of shocked by, but um, I'll show you here how I did it. And the, there's probably more, there's probably better ways to do it, but this is the way that I think is realistic and I think that it's real. Like I think this is the actual drag. And by the way, like the other reel I've had for three years, this is going on my fourth season using that other van stall. I've had it serviced. It was just serviced like a month ago and I haven't fished fished since, like fished that reel at all since or two months ago. So that reel is not new, but this reel is brand new, never been fished before. So this is fresh out of the presses. There's nothing that's going to impact the actual test of how the drag is on this reel. So this is the 275 Fanstall VSX, what I think is the exact correct weight or max drag on it. So how I did this was I took just the bottom half of a rod and I took my VSX 200 here, or 200, 275, sorry. And um, I just put it onto the bottom part here. And the thing is like, for me, I'm like, I don't need, this is like, you know, I didn't need this to be, to be crazy here. Um, and so what I did is I, I took the, um, the, just the, the handle of the reel and I just tied on my, just tied it on. And I don't know, like I was doing this, I was like, there's no real knot you can use to tie it on. So I was just like, I'll just do some overhand knots, you know, just make sure it doesn't really slip. That's all I was really worried about. I was like, if, I, if it slips, it could it could jolt something and loosen something up with all this tension because you know you don't want to you don't want to mess anything up, break anything here for a stupid little you know thing to just make me that I'm genuinely interested in because these people are just like guessing, guesstimating, like this is real. This is what I think is the most real um, drag for these reels. Because, um, yeah, I mean, there's different bigger tackle store companies that have done the, the weights or the, the max drag for this reel. And I think that, you know, I think that they just talk to Van Stahl and they're like, what is the max drag for this? And they're like, oh, it's this. And Van Stahl is probably not going to be like, they're, they want their reels to look as good as possible. So they're going to give you an upped version of how how good their reels are, or that's what I believed. Um, so, so I don't know. I didn't know at the time. I, was, I don't know how, how like correct this is, but you know, this is how I'm doing it. Um, so literally, what I did, and what I'm doing now, so everybody can understand, because I know there's lots of people that have questions, and I've even talked about this. It's like, if anybody knows the drag, leave it in my comments below. And people have given me what they think they believe it is. And I was like, cool, you know, that's that's awesome. So what I do is I'm, I have my, my drag here and 
I'm going to lock it down. I'm locking the drag down right now. All the way until I can't move it anymore. Okay. That's maxed out right there. What you need to do is you need to take a clamp. You need to crank your drag down all the way. That's what you're fishing. So I have my digital scale here. Okay, I'm gonna actually stand up to do this. So this is zeroed out right now. I'm gonna stand in front of the camera so everybody can see this. I'm at zero right now. And so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna pull the drag on this until it goes. I'm just gonna get over here. So I'm pulling the, the drag. So that was right at 20 right there. Let's just see if I can get this apart because this is not the same what I got first. Okay, here we go. So that's what I did. Twenty-two. What I just got there. I wish it locked out, but that was twenty-two. Um, Twenty-four. Twenty-five. Just kind of trying to get the the mean weight here for it. Trying to do this is an awkward way. Yeah, it's like I would say so if I was to. To guess right here so this is what I think it is I think it's about and this is about 24 pounds of drag that's what I would say is pretty pretty right right there I think 24 pounds of drag is correct I would say 24 to 25 um, and they had it marked at 32 pounds which is what I thought at least that was the one that I got from that tackle stores which I feel like is probably the closest to Van Stahl saying it themselves. And that's not 32. And I mean, I locked that down all the way, my drag. And I did not get anywhere near 30. I got 35 to 36 was my most when I was pulling really hard, really fast. I got um, that. But really when it's slower and the reel's ticking out line, it's around, you know, it's, it's between 22 to to 25 you know and that's what I think is the accurate measurement right there um, so there you go that's my that's what I think the van stall is um, I think it's probably 25 we can give them credit we'll say it's 25 um, and if you don't you can say it's 22 but um, give it the benefit of the doubt and every single time you're fishing when you're done fishing or you're storing your reel even for an overnight always loosen your drag up because you don't want your drag washers to be under strain for long periods of time. That's how they crack and it's not good. And also like makes your drag less. So that's fresh Vanstall VSX 200 or 275, sorry. And that is the max drag for this Vanstall. And I got 16 pounds of drag for the 200. 
Um, I have the 200 downstairs because it's actually set up to fish later this week. Can you believe that? The bass, the 2020 season for me is going to be kicked off next week. Or not next week, but like I'm going to catch my first fish at the end of this week. I've been contemplating when I'm going to go fish because I know there are fish at the Cape. When this comes out, people have been doing well. Uh, I'm filming this on Tuesday. So, or I'm doing the podcast on Tuesday, but I said I was going to go early in the week, but then I really, for me, I was thinking about it. I would rather wait an extra few days and guarantee me catching at least a few schoolies than, than going and not catching anything because it's not, it's not, it's not a light drive for me and also technically not supposed to be, um, leaving the, uh, your area, your town because of this uh, coronavirus. So even though fishing is, it's like the thing is like gas and like I will at least have to spend like over three to four hours dry. Like I'll spend three, no, it would be like four hours driving. I'll be spending four, at least four hours driving there and back plus the fishing that I'm doing. So, um, food and everything it's just like it's a production to go just to just to go like normally if there's nothing going on running down there i we have family that lives on the cape so it's nothing to me like running down there would be nothing because i could run down there i could fish i could go over to the house i could like it's whatever so i would have no problem but if we're talking about just run down for the day that's a whole other story especially with the coronavirus and everything so by the way everybody stay safe and healthy I hope everybody is. Um, and yeah, just fish, social distance fishing. But, you know, so another thing I wanted to talk about is drag. And drag in general. Um, I, feel like I've t I feel like I've talked about this a lot, but whatever. We'll keep talking about it. Um, so my philosophy is, and I've talked about this, and I think I, I talked about this a lot in How to Fight a Big Fish podcast. My philosophy is put as much pressure on a fish as you can. And um, one of the biggest main things to that is make sure your line is fresh. My So as I said, my Vansalt 200, I have 50-pound Generation 2 Super Slick line on it. Now... That broke at eight to 10 pounds. That was a 50 pound line. That scares me because I hook, I put way more pressure than that. I mean, I'm putting 16 pounds, right? I'm putting, that's maxed out. So that's five more pounds of pressure on top of what it already broke at. So I don't like that. That's scary to me. Um, yeah, it's like, that's a big no-no. Um, I need, so I'll probably fish that and the thing is what i'm planning on doing is fishing that reel during the day mostly because the thing is i trust that reel i know that i can land a mid 40 pound bass with that reel but um i and the thing is like during the day uh you can see things unfolding much better than you can at night so i can watch a fish going towards a boulder and see boulders under the water because i can see disruptions on the surface much easier than if i'm just 
fishing at night and can't see anything. I mean, obviously if I'm fishing this spot that I fished a thousand times, I know exactly where boulders are, but you know, at some point, like I can react a little bit better because I can actually see things. Like I can see where my line is in relationship to a boulder instead of going strictly off feel. And I trust that that 200 will fight, be able to fight anything that I hook during the day. Um, so I'm going to fish that mostly during the day. Uh, and you know, it's a great reel for, for like, it's a smaller reel for me. And it's great cause I can fish that all spring pretty much. Uh, and as soon as I start getting into like knowing there's some real fish around, which will happen. I like to say the first, the, the new moon in June, the first new moon in June is prime time for one big bite in on, on Cape Ann. So if you're fishing on Cape Ann, and you want to catch a big fish, that first new moon in June is prime time to catch a big fish. So I would stock up on your eels, I would go to your favorite spot, and I would fish there all night long, all night long. And I feel like that would, even in like, I want that incoming, I, I mean, it depends, but like, it depends on where you're fishing, if you like fishing estuaries or beaches or whatever. But if you're off the rocks, I want that wind blowing straight at my face. I want some white water around. If I can get like 20 mile an hour wind, 15 to 20 mile an hour wind blowing straight in, no matter where it is on Cape Ann, I know that I can I can do some damage because I know that wind is gonna push the bait to shore. And I know the bait are gonna be just getting pushed around. They're gonna get all disoriented and these bass are gonna be fired up and they're gonna be sitting behind the rocks and they're gonna be waiting for the, the the bait to get pushed right to them and they're gonna come up and whack it. And when you have an eel and you float it by a fish, literally, and this is what I say, if, you ha if you're fishing an eel, you probably can attract a fish within, I don't know, maybe 20 yards of where you're fishing. And it's the scent uh, and it's the wriggling of a distressed fish, the um, vibrations it puts off into the water if a big bass swims within 20 yards of your eel, you will be able to catch that fish, regardless of the scenarios, unless it's during the day. I think at night, I mean at night, with the correct, like the wind blowing in, the, the water getting all frothed up, if that fish swims in the area of your eel, you're gonna catch it. So all you gotta do is you gotta put yourself in the area of a big fish. So that cuts down on so much effort. Now, Vansalls are fantastic eeling reels because they have a slow retrieve, uh, or slow line pickup comparatively to other reels that take in much more line. Um, so that's why I like to fish Vansalls when I'm fishing with eels because you can really slowly, and the thing is you can adjust your speed much more accurately, man. And you can just, oh, the bass, the bass go off you know, on the eels when it's like the June, the June new moon. I've always found that like it's slow at the start. I feel like you. I had two nights in a row where I fished like an hour, two hours with not even a touch. And then all of a sudden it was a 40 pound bass, you know? And uh, yeah, that was pretty, that's pretty awesome to get, to get that happening. Um, I'm, beyond stoked to catch a fish right now but i'm so excited for 
the, like the everybody talks about the fall run being so great. I think that the spring run is even better because not only are you catching, you have that run of fish, you have large fish that are coming into like all of the large fish that will have to get to your spot to cross to get to another spot. But regardless, you have all of those fish moving into an area and feeding all at once. And you can get on some extraordinary bites where you have 50 bass that are all 30, 40 pound, 30, 40, even 50 pound fish all in one area at once. Um, and they're all feeding on, you know, adult menhaden and uh, herring and all sorts of great, like large bait. And whether you're at a river mouth or you're off the rocks um, or on sandy beach, that's the most exciting time of the year because you have that in the fall, but then what happens is all the bass leave. Now you have that in the spring, you have a lot of the bigger fish keep moving, but you do have those a lot of fish that will actually stage up in these areas, especially if they're getting fed well. They'll start staging up. I have this one spot and I believe that there's different spots. There's spots where a big, happy, fat fish goes and it hangs out to just relax after it got a big meal. And um, I have spots where a hungry fish knows that it can get a meal here easily. So it goes there and they can be big fish. Like I've caught 48 inch bass that are 36 pounds. Like that's like a 48 inch bass being 36 pounds is the lowest it can be pretty much. Now it can be almost 60 pounds a 48 inch bass. If it's gorged itself, it can be mid fifties, even more at times. So I have spots where it's kind of depressing where you hook a bass that's like 49 inches and it's only like 47 pounds, which um, like happened to me. I had one bass that was high 40 pound bass um, that should have been 50 pounds. I thought it should have been 50 pounds just because it was so big, but it was just skinny, which sucks. But there's other spots where you go and all the bass are just freaking full. Like you, they couldn't fit another piece of bait in them. They're so thick over the shoulders and they're, oh man, they're just, just stuffed with bait. And that is exciting when you hook a big fish and it's weighs a lot. I mean, that's one thing, like there's a difference between hooking a long, big fish and then hooking one that's just very heavy. Like you can tell the different, like how heavy a bass is because um, it just dogs you in the current, especially in current. Like if you're fishing current and you hook a fat fish, it it's like, it, it just puts itself sideways in the current and swims out and you can't even, there's nothing you can do. Uh, it just takes you and takes you and takes you. Um, yeah, so like, the, but the thing about drags are when you're fishing with drag, uh, I, I, I really, I do believe that you want, you want your drag to be set to the spot that you're fishing. So if I'm fishing, if I'm fishing in a boulder field where I know that there's a lot of very, there's a lot of rocks that are covered in barnacles and mussels and the bass can get me in there into those rocks and mussels and whatever, I go as tight as I can, as tight as my line will allow, which is as tight as, which is tighter than my reel will allow. So um, I know that I wanna fish my, my reel as tight as it will go because now I know my drag settings on this can't beat my line. And that's what I try to do with all my reels pretty much. I have my drag on my reels 
heavy my line on my reels heavier than my drag to the reels can go so like i want to be able to lock my my reel down be able to pull out line without snapping if you pull out line with your reel snapping then you're fishing too light a line in my opinion because you always need that security to be like okay it's it's time you know to tighten up and it's time to pull these fish out of the rocks now there's certain scenarios where you can't even afford like the bass everything goes down so quick that you don't have a hope and i've had this happen to me before where i threw out a darter it got out it landed on top of this boulder and I kind of, I reeled off in literally the, <laughs> I took two cranks. The thing, the fish was probably, I don't know, high 20 pound fish was probably 28, almost 30 pounds. Um, eats it, it was a mid 40 inch bass, oh, not mid, it was a low 40 inch bass. It was probably 44 to 40, maybe 40. Yeah, it was like 44 inches. But yeah, so it was a big fish. Um, and it, it grabs the thing, takes me around this rock. And now I loosened all the way up immediately. That's what I did. I loosen up, loosen up, loosen up, loosen up, loosen up. And then my drag is light right now, super light. All I need to do is maintain just enough pressure on the fish to keep my hooks in its face. But if you think about it at the same time, when that line is getting scraped across the rock, it's still, it's creating even more pressure than your drag is. So what you want to do is you want to loosen up your drag. And the reason why is, when I have braided line, and I'm trying to cut braided line with my scissors here. So here's some braided line. When I'm trying to cut my braided line with my scissors, I can't. I cannot cut slack braided line with my scissors. And believe me, these scissors are sharp. These are fly tying scissors. These, like, this should cut. Now, if I apply even just a little bit of pressure on the line, like I have, I'm literally between my fingers applying pressure to the line. I can just cut this, no problem. I mean, this is 80 pound test and I just cut that with just a tiny bit of pressure. Um, and that's the same thing under the water. You can't cut braided line when it's like has some slack in it. It's very difficult when it's taut and really tight. It's a lot easier to cut. So when you loosen up, it's not gonna, it's not going to cut on the line. And a lot of times, I mean, you loosen up and then you're like, okay, I don't want to be too tight when I'm reeling in this fish. Most of the time, I, in my experience, I've actually never had my brought my line back and had it all frayed up unless it's been the leader. The leader gets frayed, but I'll talk about leaders in a second. When I when I brought it back, the line itself is not messed up whatsoever. Even though it was scraping and scraping and it was vibrating, it was nasty feeling on my line the uh it was not um it was not scraping it was not um all frayed and all fuzzy like braided line gets when it's all ripped up it was all it was nice and uh it was nice and like it was just normal line it just looked fine and i got the fish in and the thing is if i was sitting there and i had my drag taut and i felt that fish go into the rocks and i felt it for maybe even if i left it for 10 more seconds, it scraping against the rock, it would have snapped my line instantly. Uh, I had no hope because the thing is when you hook a big fish, even like a fish that's 20, 25 pounds, you have, what was it, 25 pounds of drag on the on the on on your fish. You have 25 pounds of drag on your fish and it goes for a run. That fish 
is going to take line out. You have no, like, you can't stop it. Um, if you had a, if you had a 25 pound fish and you had a Daiwa dogfight and you locked that Daiwa dogfight down, it would still pull some drag on that. And that's what 45 pounds of drag, 50 pounds of drag. I'm telling you right now, a 25 inch bass can pull a 50 pounds of drag, like at least, I don't know, 10 yards at least in my, it, I just think that they're strong enough and people give striped bass so much flack for not being a very hard fighting fish um which i think is kind of bs because a striped bass's tail is about when it's big it's about that big and what happens is that fish does two big swipes with its tail it's gonna generate more power than than a, a fish of similar size for that little for that little stint of it pushing its tail it could probably generate more power i mean you have like what if you took a what like a bonito or no it's not like a false albacore granted i've never caught a false albacore by the way so i can't really speak to this that much but you put a fish like that and you have it swim a certain amount of you have it swim like four yards I, I honestly wonder, and I know that it can get up to top speed much, much faster than a striped bass can, but how much power can that fish produce in four yards compared to a fish? So if that, um, if that albacore was, the false albi was, um, what, maybe, what, can they get to 20 pounds? Or we'll call it 15 pounds because I'm pretty sure they can get up. To 20 pounds but like a 15 pound false albacore versus a 15 pound bass and that 15 pound bass is still going to have a forked tail and everything but well just for argument's sake and you have it pull pressure wise i would think it was you'd either be tied or the bass would be stronger just because of the amount of water surface area that the bass can push and you'd think of it you'd think of it like a um it would be um almost as if you would i guess you could you could you could say it's like um like a power lifter running versus like pulling like a, one of those sleds you know like when you're working out you have the sleds that you push you have like a power lifter push one of those sleds and then you have a um like a, a track runner pull, push one of those sleds the track runner will be able to probably get up to top speed faster than the the power lifter guy could but he could not. He couldn't even get close to pushing the same amount of pressure that, or the same amount of weight that the power lifter could. So I hope that analogy kind of makes sense, because uh, at the end of the day, it's pretty much apples and oranges. You know, when you're talking about the fish, because uh, again, I don't have any firsthand personal experience with this, and I know that like a false albacore is so much like would be so much fun to catch just because they burn line. Once they get up to top speed, they can rip line out of your reel. But can they rip like the same amount of line, like pressure for certain? What I'm trying to get at is when you have your drag locked down and a bass takes off, it doesn't take off like it doesn't take off immediately, but it's thrashing around on the surface. But once it gains traction, you can't really stop it for that first run that it does. I don't care. You have to have a 
big, big reel to be able to stop a fish like that. And when you get up to that 25, 30 pound class fish and you have what, your Daiwa dogfight locked down, I want somebody to test this out. If you own Daiwa dogfight or Shimano Stella and uh, you lock that down all the way and you hook a big fish and it runs, can you can you actually stop it from running? Can you stop a thirty pound, a twenty five, thirty pound class fish from pulling a few meters of line out? I I don't think you could, honestly. Uh, if I I know people that have those those um, reels, and a lot of people that have those reels fish in the Cape Cod Canal. And if you're fishing in the Cape Cod Canal, there's no way in hell you can stop a bass from ripping out line. There is no way, because there it's not only you battling the fish's power, you're also battling its weight. In the current so that like that's not what I'm talking about because then I, that would be too easy I'm talking about minimal current just the big fish running with almost minimal current would it be able to st still be peeling out line I bet it would be I really do I bet that it would be peeling out I bet it would peel out a few yards of line for sure um, but that gets me into my thing you hook a fish really close to a rock and it starts peeling out your line you can't stop it so, but the further it goes with that run, the less of a chance you're going to catch it. Every yard, every foot that it pulls out is a percentage chance going down for you to catch that fish because that's one more foot that it has to wrap around a rock or get to a boulder and just scrape its face on the side of a boulder and snap your line instantly. That's why I fish 65 pound drag or 65 pound fluorocarbon liters as my lightest or 60 pound fluorocarbon liters at my lightest. And I fish 80 at my heaviest. I've, I wouldn't go over 80 pounds because then that's pretty ridiculous. I think between 80 pounds and like 100, because I know there's guys that fish 100 pound um, fluoro liters, which is crazy by the way, um, I think, because, and I'm like, go as heavy as you can and can get away with it. And I guess I've talked about go, like you, if you can get away throwing a 100 pound liter, go for it, because you're gonna land your fish, but it's gonna probably be detriment, detrimental to the, uh, to the um, action of your plug. Uh, I guess it would be less so with an eel because it's the eel's its own action, but I still think it would be pretty detrimental to the to the power of the, uh, or the, to the, how the, the lure works. Like if you're working a uh, swimmer of some sort, like a, especially like a darter, there's no way it goes as, as well as, it works as well as it would with 60 pounds or even 80. Okay, sorry, I'm just drinking a little bit so I can keep talking because my throat was getting dry. <clears throat> um, anyway, but when we're talking about drag, the the other thing about, so if I was like, to, I should, honestly, I should do a van stall review because I've had so many people ask me, and if you're, if you want me to do a review of my van stall and like the pros, the cons, and like, should you buy it? Because I've seen videos of people doing that. And <laughs> not to knock anybody that I've seen doing it, but um, they don't, they're not using it for the application that the reel was actually designed for. Uh, this reel is designed to be fished in a specific way, and that is under the water, you know, fishing for a fish that is very scrappy and very scrappy in short distances. And that's what I think it's built for. It's built to be able to be, have your drag be strong and have ha not strong but like have your drag be there like have if you have 25 pounds of drag that's a decent amount of drag if you like 
most people struggle, you know, to get a lot of drag on a, on a fish with, um, like you're talking about fly. I was talking to Joe from Poopoo Plugs and I don't even know if this was on the podcast. I think it was actually. He was saying that most people struggle to produce five pounds of drag on a fly rod. No matter like, like that's like pretty crazy, isn't it? Like people struggle to get five pounds of pressure with a fly rod, um, which is very interesting. I would have to, I, I think that that's really cool. Um, so 25 pounds is a good amount. And if you can do, if especially like that's going to slow a fish down pretty quick. Uh, bass is not going to be able to pull that very long. Again, they're not, a, they're, they're a sprinter. They have that quick burst of strength and speed and then they're done. They will, to the point that they'll float belly up on the surface and you can just drag them in at that point, like depending on how long you fought the fish. If you fight the fish like I do with my drag locked down, I've gotten 40 pound bass in that are very fresh, that are ex like, like crazy moving around, like nuts. And people are like, that's horrible to get a big fish in that, like in like that, cause it's gonna hurt itself. I feel like the way I do it, in the, I'm like fishing in areas that have lots of tide pools and stuff. I can just grab the fish and pull it into a tide pool. It's not really under that much strain. And then I just go and I weigh it and whatever, measure it and I let it go again. So I feel like I handle the bass pretty well and I keep the bass very lively. And when they, when I release them, they don't like, I can revive them for maybe 10, 15 seconds. And then they're like soaking me when they're taking off, um, which is good. That means you have a healthy release on your fish. But if I was to do, uh, I completely, you know, I'm trying to just like figure out where it was going with this, but the van stall, if I do leave a comment below, honestly, if you want me to do a review on the van stall in from a person who has been very successful using this reel, I've used this reel for three years now. I even gotten another one. Uh, I haven't used the big one yet, so I can't really speak to that, but I can speak to the van stall in a theoretical sense of what it does and what it does well. And also what I don't necessarily like about it. Um, and obviously with everything, there's always going to be little things that you don't like about it. But the majority, in my opinion, the majority of I of this reel and the reason I, I wouldn't have gotten another one if I didn't really, really like the reel that I have now. Um, and, and I also wouldn't have gotten another one if there, like I would have gotten a different reel if I knew that there was another reel that I could have a better app that could do what this reel does except better. And that's why I picked this reel because I think this reel does what it does better than any other reel. And that's holding extremely heavy line. 80 pound test line is heavy. Um, and it can be fully submerged under the water and reeled under the water. And uh, I can do that all season long and I can get it serviced once a, once a year. Granted, the service fee is pretty expensive, but I guess I can go into this if I do a whole thing up uh, on like what I like or what I dislike about this reel. And I'm not a guru of reels or rods. I hope to be one day know act, like everything technically about my all the gear, about the reels, about the rods. I want to know everything. That would be like if I could understand exactly what's going on inside of a fishing reel. I have a again, I have a broad sense of what's going on, but I couldn't tell you the name of specific gears and uh, and everything like that in the reel. Or I couldn't name. I couldn't go into like extremely hardcore depth on a, a fishing rod about what's what the rod is built out of, why it's built out of it, what power the rod is. Um, 
I would love to get there one day. So I need to talk to some people, you know, I've got to talk to some people that are, you know, the professionals in their field of rods and reels and whatever, um, and learn. I know some guys that are, and so I hope to one day have some awesome conversations and hopefully maybe get them on the podcast. Uh, because I think that this, that I like, I'm again, like fairly new. I grew up with, I taught myself everything I know about fishing. Um, and I didn't get mentored by someone. So I have a very, there's certain things that I don't know, which would shock you, but then I can go really in depth with other things. Um, and really if it works, then like it's, you're not really doing that bad of a job in my opinion you could be like you could be sucky at something like i i'm not a super like i'm not a super well-rounded fisherman i know how to target striped bass very 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 well i couldn't tell you anything about largemouth bass or about trout or bluefish or albacore or bonito like i that's out of my pay grade because i don't know anything again i know very broad scope of what how to fish for him i've caught bonito i've caught largemouth bass um I've caught trout, but I couldn't tell you, uh, you know, anything really about how to like target them and target a lot of them and big ones and whatever. Um, but I can tell you how very in depth I can go on different stuff to do with striped bass fishing. And that just shows you how narrow minded I am in fishing and how I guess it's good to be very, um, very specialized in one thing. Cause if you're very specialized in one thing you're very good at that one thing um it's not always the best thing in the world but if you can specialize in hunting a big fish then that's so cool because there's a lot of guys that can't but they could catch they could out catch me in any other species um but i could i could you know catch some bigger fish than bigger striped bass than they could uh but that's all like relative in the winter i'm dying here i haven't caught a fish all winter long i haven't necessarily tried but I couldn't, I'm not like extremely good at fishing for holdover fish. I don't think there's a lot of holdover bass in my area per se. I think you have to drive at least an hour to get to some spots that are better well known and also hold fish. Um, I've tried a lot to find my own spots for holdovers this winter. Didn't do well at all. Um, which has been kind of frustrating because I'm, oh, I would kill to catch a fish right now. Um, and I could drive an hour and a half, an hour and 45 minutes to the Cape and, or at least the South Cape, where I've heard a lot about fish that are around between, I've heard holdover bass blitzing on just a ridiculous amount of bait to the point that it, the guys are having a hard time catching the fish because there's so much bait, whether it be adult bunker or little, like little bait, I don't even know, like they had herring and, oh man, it's been, it's been crazy. Yeah, really, really nuts the amount of bait that they've had on the Cape. I am extremely, extremely excited. If Also, if you fish on the Cape and you've heard anything, when this podcast comes out, please tell me what's up. You don't have to get into specific spots or anything. Just tell me if you're catching hold, like um, holdovers or if you're catching fresh fish with sea lice because I'm very like curious to see... Uh, what's going on. I'm almost about to ask on Instagram what people are seeing on the Cape because I've heard, seen a lot of people saying that they're catching fish, but uh, I want to, I would, I just want to catch a fish. <laughs> like I'm dying here. 
Uh, I should, and the crazy thing is, uh, which is really cool and awesome, I, in theory, should be getting my first bass. Um, I know, like I keep saying, like I thought it was gonna be this week. Honestly, I thought they were gonna be here this week. This colder weather has kind of thrown a wrench in it a bit. I hope to get, I got my first legitimate um, migrate, like migratory bass last year, May 4th on Cape Ann, May 4th. Now I know people are catching them May 3rd. I saw some people were catching them like early May last year, like pretty much May 1st. They were pretty much here May 1st, but I wanna get one in April. I haven't, like, I think one year we got them like late April, I would have to say. It was like April 27th, we were out there and we were getting them. So I do think, I mean, it is early. It's really early, by the way. It's not just early, it's really early. I do think it's possible to get on some schoolies right now, uh, uh, like in, I'd say from the Cape to maybe South Boston, especially if you know where there's some holdovers. I think that you could get on some bass. I hope and I'm praying that I can get them the last week of April. I feel like it's possible. Um, I would love to do it. I'm dying here. That means that I got one more week before they're in on Cape Ann. That, that's like my theory and my like my dream. Uh, some like a little part of me is thinking that they're probably going to be here um, like around the same time as they were last year. So just like May 1st, we'll be getting them. But the fact that they're a week early everywhere else, I'm like, why can't they be a week early here or two weeks early some places? I like want them a week early here. Is that too much to ask? Um, but yeah, I hope that uh, I can get onto some schoolies quick um, and the season starts off. Because I think it's going to be, it's going to start off pretty strong with how warm the water is everywhere. I think that it's going to be small fish and then it's going to get big quick. I think that we should be able to get our first big fish in like, and I'm talking big fish. Anything over 40 inches to me is a big fish. Um, and I feel like we could get our first big fish like maybe mid to late May. I'd be pretty stoked on that. I think we have a full moon in May, like later May. I'm probably gonna try pretty hard. I'm probably gonna be throwing eels. Um, yeah, late May. I don't even know if I'll have a keeper by then. I hope I do. I get some keepers early. Last year was a struggle. I don't think I caught a keeper until, um, I don't know, maybe mid-May, maybe early mid-May, um, if that makes any sense. But yeah, I think it was, yeah, I don't know. I, I can actually look back. I have a picture of the first keeper I got. Um, and so I hope I can get something that's over 28 inches pretty early on. I know that you can get 28 inch bass um, right from the start. Uh, Cause my first bass of the season was 27 inches. So that's pretty, that was pretty interesting. I mean, that was like almost 28, but then I didn't get something that close to that. I, I got a whole bunch that were like 26, 27 on um, big spooks, um, which is my favorite way to fish in the spring is to fish back bays with large topwater plugs. Uh, because that's the way you can get the biggest fish um, in rivers as well. You're throwing like a big Danny plug early in the morning and you just see the water just disappear, just like vacuum. <sighs> the toilet just flushes right into the fish's mouth um, early in the spring. And they're always fat and lazy because they've been gorging themselves on all this bait. And then they just do these rolls, the first bass of the season, does this big roll and then it kind of catches some water and it takes off in a big run. That's like what happens always with the first like nice fish of the season. Um, yeah, and hopefully, and when it does its rolls, that is the scariest time because 
that's when like things get bent, hooks, uh, split rings, um, uh, angler clips. I have some absolute mangled. I like to keep everything that got mangled this year, like bent hooks and um, and like uh, uh, tactical angler clip stuff, like or like any like line clip. I've uh, I've fished a bunch of different brands. I'm like gonna fish mostly tactical angler this year, uh, just because I've. I hadn't lost a fish due to the actual clip breaking on me, but I've had, I think, four of them bend, like, fully open, like, bend completely that weren't tactical anglers clips. And the only reason I fish the ones that aren't is just because I can, like, attach it to the eye, of the like, the stem of the eye of the rod. When I always say I get questions about this, too. When you attach your hook to, like, store as you're, like, hiking back to your car... If you can see the, the stem before it gets to the actual eye, attach it to the stem of the the rod, not the, the eyelet. Because what happens is you attach to the eyelet, it will actually chip the porcelain or whatever this is. I don't even know if this is porcelain. The, the, it'll chip this little uh, the little washer on the inside and then you'll cut your line and on every single cast and lose every single lure. And you'll have no idea what's going on and then you'll be like, why is this happening to me? And then you'll finally look down every single eye of your rod until you see this little nick, which is like razor sharp, and it cuts your line like ridiculous, ridiculously cuts your line or frays all of your line. And then you have to like re-spool your rod too. Yeah, I've seen some absolute horrors. I've seen thrown plugs away. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah, but... I'm going to start, and I've talked a lot about where I'm going to start this spring, but I'll just do a little bit more of what I'm thinking. So I was doing some more recon on Google Earth, as you do, and I was looking at these back bays, and what I was looking at, or looking for, is I was looking for these ponds, and what happens is the ponds drain out of water, and as they're draining out, they push bait out into the actual estuary, and the fish sit and wait right at the mouths of these salt ponds. And even if they're small, they'll go up and into the salt ponds. So you want to fish the outgoing tide right where the salt pond is or in the salt pond. And you'll see a lot more action, especially early on, even with holdover fish that are just getting around. And what I do think happens, and I was thinking about this a lot, is I think early in the season, especially the fish that I was catching really early on, were bass that I believe were holdovers that just came out of the estuaries and then just started feeding up and down the coast right in the area of Cape Ann. I think those ones that were early May, I think those were holdover fish that came out of the estuaries and they started feeding on the bait that was just out out in the area. Um, I think that that is what happens in a lot, of, a lot of places, especially really early. I think that our first real big migratory fish were starting to show up um, around like... I would even wager like mid-April or mid-May, I mean, like May like 13th, 14th, I think was when we started to get some more like migratory fish. And that was around the time that I caught my first keeper. But I, I saw a change in like these fish that were, you know, pretty powerful, but like smaller and a little bit thicker, like male, male bass and turn into these bass that were like more aggressively hitting top waters and also could have done a lot to the fact that the water was warming up at that time but i don't know that's my philosophy 
is the fact that I think these bass are actually come when it gets warm and even in the winter time, like I'm talking January time frame, we had those days where it was 70 degrees, believe it or not, 70 degrees, which is nuts. The bass, um, I do think that the holdover fish were actually coming from different estuaries and they were getting out of the estuary and then they were swimming in those, you know, just out of the estuary in the rivers and maybe even transferring to different river systems or different like ponds, salt pond areas. Um, I don't know. I, I just, I heard a lot. I had some, I had people DMing me about a lot of different stuff that was going on and I just never, I never like got like really got motivated to go hunt for some holdover bass when it was around that time. And I bet if I did, and I went to the places where I was hearing these places that were lit up for like a week or like a few days at a time where guys were catching a bunch of holdovers and some were even getting bass up to what, maybe 30 inches. I heard a few guys were catching bass 30, 35 inches. Um, I was like, okay, that's pretty, that's serious. At that point, like the fish are nice sized fish. I don't think they're fighting that hard. They're pretty like, you know, sleepy bass, but they were there. And, um, I, I was I was I was like damn these guys are doing well, uh, but I never got motivated enough to really go hunt for them because one of the things is again it's like almost an hour drive to some of these spots, and I'm like I was just not into it I was just not into driving an hour away for something that I just was it was kind of a hit or miss situation and also like not very aggressive not very hard fighting fish, um, so. It would have been cool though. I'm gonna do it next year. I'm gonna really, I'm gonna team up with some people and go for it next season because I know some guys that were doing well, like really, really well catching holdovers, um, very consistently. I just never did it because they're too far away from me. Or at least like where they were fishing were like an hour to hour and a half away, and I was just like, it's not worth it at that point. Um, and even in um, Connecticut, obviously Connecticut's the like a monster place for catching fish, but. Uh, yeah, the holdovers there are ridiculous, and I was getting so many DMs about these guys that were just killing it, like, all season long with huge fish, and I was like, what is going on? And when I was talking about, I'm talking about from, like, Cape Cod to, to Cape Ann, like, that area is what I was talking about, like, those hour drive places that I could have got to that were lit up, but, like, I was like, whatever, I don't really want to go for it today, or there places, and then a lot of them are really well known, and if you don't know it, you can look anywhere about holdover bass and between those areas, between Cape Ann and um, Cape Cod, and you should be able to find like exact spots of where people are doing well. Um, but I don't like fishing. Also, I don't like fishing in crowds either. I kind of like to make my own my own reports, my own news. And the thing is, if you chase reports, it never works. And I've done it with the canal a few times. Um, to like the only times I've ever caught anything at the canal is when I've gone there on a whim and caught fish. Um, and that's like <laughs> it's like so stupid because. Uh, the, yeah, it's just ridiculous. Um, so yeah, I don't, and I've told, I've told that story. I'm not even going to tell the story. I've told that s story so many times where like, I didn't catch anything at the canal and then went home and caught a big fish. So, uh, yeah, I don't really mess around that much with like fishing the canal and like fishing anything like this. I mean, this is also, again, this podcast, just to go on a completely different note right now, this podcast I'm doing today was just the fact that I was measuring out these reels and I was like, this is pretty interesting. I think the people on the podcast would like to listen to this. So this is a very off the whim, just me kind of just going through what's in my head. But hey, you know, this is what's up today. I'm just, I'm not really like 
generally I'll have my, my notes and so I can get through a few topics that I wanted to cover. But today I've done really, I've done reels. I've done a thing about reels and I've done a thing about line. And I like, but I wanted to do, do stuff on drag and I wanted to get into like tight, like the drag. Um, and this is just what I had in my mental like notes of what I was going to do today. But there's different, re the one, like the thing about drag on reels is you want smooth drag. Advanced stalls don't have the smoothest drag in the world. I hate to say, if you tighten advanced stall down and it's pretty tight and you pull it, it's gonna be a little bit sticky. But for something like a striped bass that have pretty rubbery, like tough mouths, especially when they get big, it doesn't really matter. Uh, if you're fishing for another fish that had a very papery mouth uh, and it could tear a hole in its face and then it could shake the hook easy, then that's not maybe not the reel for you. But if you're fishing for striped bass in the way that I fish for striped bass, there's no better reel for that application than advanced stall. End of story. I don't want to like. I've tried them all. I've literally I've tried Shimano, Pen, Daiwa. Um, you know, I've tried like Okuma. Um, I think is that what you call them? Okuma reels or whatever. I've tried them all. Um, and the and these ones are my favorite. Um, closely followed by Pen and then by Shimano. Um, and then obviously if you go really high end, you can go Daiwa. Um, and Daiwa reels are, I think, again, like if you want to go high-end reels, you have, I, if I was to go like the top three, in my opinion, the top three most high-quality reel or top two, I mean, obviously it's the Stella and the Daiwa. I think the Daiwa dogfight is a better all-around reel than the the uh, Shimano Stella. Um, just because I think that like at the time that those two reels were the top reels, I think that the die was just were just a beefier reel and a little bit better built uh, a little bit more secure than like a shimano had a little bit of give and a little bit of, in a few areas but it was but again it's like those are like the lamborghini versus ferrari and i talked about it a lot like it's at that point it's like your personal preference on real company uh what real company you think has the best customer service or the best you know whatever um that's what i would pay for at that point Um, and Shimano, um, Van Stahl is like one of those reels that's has that price of a top end reel, but not with as smooth of stuff. Um, but the fact that it does what it does is nuts. The amount of brutal, like abuse that I do to my, I have given to my gear is ridiculous. And the fact that it's still works like brand new once you get it serviced, that is mind blowing to me that you can that it's like that. Um, yeah, I mean, th I, I have like, there's other things as far as like reels go. Uh, reels are are probably the number one like failure point in your setup other than line, which is really part of your reel at that point. Um, rods are not, can fail on you. I feel like if you get a rod, you can get some good rods that are, not super expensive and you can st and they handle well um one real one rod company that i think does pretty well is the um airwave uh series the tsunami airwave rods are great i have um a tsunami airwave uh, it's not the elite one it's just like one of the ones that's like a what rated from like four to eight ounces and i whenever i'm out with a beginner fisherman 
or I'm taking somebody out fishing, I I'm always uh, I'm always letting them use that rod because that rod has a very soft tip to it, and it's very easy to um, it's very easy for you to catch fish with, especially eel with, when you want that sensitive tip to the rod, but you and but you want them to to be happy with a rod that's gonna not explode on you. I think that that rod itself is rated for certain things that it's not. I don't think you can throw an eight ounce plug on that plug or that rod at all. There's no way that rod can throw an eight ounce plug. It will explode. In fact, in fact, I've actually done it where it has exploded, and um, I like got it from Dick's Sporting Goods, and the, <laughs> I got like the warranty on it. And so again, that's why I have that rod. It's so I can give it to people that are you know have that are beginner fishermen and if they ex like break my rod it's not a big deal because i can go to dick sporting goods and get a free rod whenever it breaks um you just pay like 30 bucks and i've gotten three new rods out of that um that have broken and it's because that's how their warranty works i mean <laughs> they're gonna write it like that it's whatever um so the so that's what's happened to me is where i've had these rods explode and then you know from casting too heavy stuff. So it's a lighter rod, even though it's rated for what it is, it's not. But that rod itself is has a soft enough tip that when you're fishing with eels, I'm going with that. Uh, and you can tell I'm super excited to fish eels this season. I keep going back. I mean, this is not about eels, and I've talked about eels so much in this podcast. Uh, other than plugs, I mean, I fish 90% of plug. 90% of the time I'm fishing plugs, it's when it's that new moon. I'm just like fantasizing about the new moon with an onshore wind forget about it i'm throwing eels if i can get away with it because i know that i can catch huge fish on eels where you know they might pass up my plug um it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun season i think regardless of how it goes the fact that the matter is there's a lot of bait around and if the bait is what the way it was last year I think that I will have an equal season to what I had last year, if not better now that I know way more. Because every year I learn so much, and then I can just apply it at the beginning of the next year and then learn so much again. If the year was all like all the way around, I would have been, yeah, it would be scary right now. But yeah, and also I guess it's a good time. The winter is a good time to reflect on the fishing season. But also uh, the scary part is the winter is like longer than the, actual fishing season so we lose fish um i like I've, i feel like i've i've never really caught a bass in november uh so we lose fish right around november first so november december january february march uh april that's like six months um so yeah i but we get them end of april so pretty much may so all of april so we call it six months okay so you have six months with no fish, and then you have May, June, July, August, uh, September, October. So again, it's like I guess it's pretty even, right? Yeah. Well, there you go. It's pretty even, but that's like equal on both sides, which is, um, yeah, which is tough because it's a long time to not catch a fish, and I'm dying here. I know a lot of people are, um, and it's, <laughs> uh, I'm like super excited. To the point that like it's it's like it's bad how excited I am like I can't sleep 
like I can't think about fishing if I'm trying to sleep. I cannot fall asleep if I'm thinking about fishing. And then I wake up and the first thing I do every morning is I check all these forums and I check for what the, what's going on on Cape Cod. Because I want, as soon as I know I can get there and I can catch a fish, regardless of the scenarios, which is kind of right now, I feel like I, I literally woke up this morning, went downstairs and said, we're either going today or going Friday or Saturday. Um, and I think we're going to go Friday or Saturday because I want at least one more day between when it's going to be really cold Wednesday uh, and it's going to be pretty cold Thursday. Um, it's going to warm up Friday and then Saturday is going to be pretty warm. So again, that Friday, Saturday is going to be warm enough that I feel like it will start up the bite again. If not pull even more fish in, I think that the fishing itself is going to get really crazy for people on the Cape in the next, like next week is going to be awesome fishing on the Cape for sure. Awesome fishing at the end of next week. I might get fish on Cape Ann and I will be so happy. I could cry. Because I mean, it's it's been it's been a absolute grind all winter long, thinking about what and how I can attack these fish early and get on the. I want to be able to catch the biggest fish that are in my area at all times. I want to be able to know that I can catch the biggest fit biggest fish that are there at the entire time. And I feel like. If I can start, and I don't really like trap, like you can tell that like I'm one of those people that doesn't drive very far. My territory won't go even close to Boston. Like I don't want to even get close to like going to Boston or going to like Maine. I won't even go close to it. Um, I, I, again, I'm like 25, 30 minutes in my area. That's where I, I primarily fish. It's rare that I'm driving to the Cape Cod unless I hear of some crazy bite on Cape Cod or I just want to mix it up for a day. Um, and it's, it's like, it's one of those things that you really want to, you really want to get good at your area and you really want to get good at fishing specific locations and, um, fishing specific, uh, scenarios. And once you, do, if you have all of that in a 25 minute area and I'm fortunate enough to have that, why would I go drive two hours to, because I'm hearing a bite on the other side of the Cape. I just never would do that. Um, the only time I would ever drive to like, and go to fish like on Rhode Island or something like that is if I like wanted to mix it up or just do it for fun. I would never go there chasing a bite. Um, I just, I just would never do that. Uh, I think that the canal is something that is an anomaly uh, and is crazy sometimes and is very uh, appealing to a lot of people, including me. Um, I, I feel like a lot of time I'll think about fishing the canal just because I want that crazy topwater blowups. You can't blame people that want to fish giant topwater blowups. And nothing against guys that fish the canal and do very well because that's an art form in, in among itself. It's just the fact that I feel like if the canal is on the way it is, it can be, I guess, then it's not really that difficult. Anyone can go down there, cast a, like some sort of a glide bait swimmer and catch, or pencil popper and catch a 50 pound, 60 pound bass. Anyone could, literally anybody could do that. So I feel like at that point, it's not that much of an art form or that difficult. And 
I think it's way, way, I think it does, like, you can't be anyone, even if I told you where to go on Cape Ann, and I said, okay, this is where you go, the bite is better than the canal right now, like, you're catching 40-pound bass here, and it's been in every cast type of deal, you send them to there, people are not going to, it's such a specific subtle bite that the average person would not be able to pick up what's going on. And even if I gave them all the right plugs, you'd have to be, again, you could probably get close. You'd have to get lucky. And then you'd also have to be throwing. And then you, if you throw eels, you'd have much higher chance to, to actually figure out where these fish are. But you would catch half the percentage wise that somebody who really knows an area can. So I think that that's so much more of an art form in and among itself to be able to find a spot, pick it apart and fish it. And not only fish it, but fish it with the correct gear. As I said, you why I fish so heavy is because I fish specific spots where I need like I need a heavy a heavier reel, so I got a heavier reel. I need a heavier rod, so I got a heavier rod. Um, I own the ODM Jigster rod. This thing is an absolute unit of a rod. Um, guys don't like this rod because it's so heavy. I have this rod because I throw the biggest eels you can imagine this is the worst rod for eeling by the way is so stiff i would never suggest this unless you're throwing eels that are pretty much two pounds and that's what i'm doing i'm throwing eels that are almost two pounds and then i'm throwing rig deals that are two pounds and um and that's the thing i need a rod like this to be able to throw those eels and um i i think that if you can if you can really catch fish on a in an area and you you're doing something that is not or you're able to catch fish in an area but you don't have the specific gear to do it and you know that this is going to change everything and it's not and you have the ability to get it you can do it you can get it and you will have the time of your life fishing uh, i couldn't possibly fish the way that i do with this heavy gear and has heavier like bait that i do without this rod I fished this rod so many times this year, um, and the fact it's such a heavy rod, and yet I was able to catch these fish that nobody else could because I was throwing these eels that were freaking 25 inches long. Or there's like 22 inches long, but the eels I measured this eel out was 22 inches long, and um, and it was like a pound and a half. I put hooks in it. I like sealed it. I did everything. I rigged it, and um, it was what 20 pounds it was 20 it was two pounds um so so there you go like that's a heavy thing and i couldn't throw that on any other rod i don't own a rod that is this big that i could throw it on um or i don't own a rod that i could throw it on but this rod like this is the only rod that i own that could throw that rig deal and even then that's gonna be tough and i'm gonna need to be wearing either gloves when i'm throwing it with braid or i'm gonna have to wear um some tape around my finger you know it's crazy uh, as far as fishing goes. A lot of I fish so much in the um, in the summertime that I get a callus on my finger where I fish to the, that because uh, it cuts it cuts my finger in the same spot so many times when I'm throwing plugs in the same area that it just all calluses up on my uh, pointer finger to to where I um, I don't need to wear tape and I can throw as heavy plug out there and I can't like it doesn't cut me anymore but it always takes like half the season to get that going for me <laughs> but like that just shows you how often that i'm fishing and how big plugs that i'm fishing and i don't even fish the canal i probably fished it 
I don't know, maybe three times last year just for fun and one time just to test some plugs out. Um, but yeah, I want to hit it again this year a few times. I want to hit it when the canals like really heated up because I think that if I could get, I just, cause I also want to test some plugs out, uh, at the canal. Cause I think that'd be pretty, that'd be a fun one. I think it would really be a fun one to fish, but you know, I feel like it's, this podcast has, you know, been a little bit all over the place. Uh, it's kind of like what's scattered in my brain right now. Uh, and that's like, I guess you guys get a more of a deep dive into what I'm thinking. Uh, what I was doing this week, uh, something that you guys that I think would be pretty cool. If you guys have any way to, like any measuring sort of tool, go around, measure your reels out, see how heavy your max drags are on your reels or how heavy they really are. Because a lot of times these companies give their reels the benefit of the doubt and they, they take their reel, they take a freaking clamp, they clamp it down on the top of their freaking reel knob and they, they, uh, they tighten that down to the point that like it's you can't do that with your hand and then they have this real drag get pulled out they put their foot on the scale and then they have it clocked in at 35 pounds of drag and um there you go that's what they say it is even though this is clearly between 25 and 22 pounds you can you can tell me what you guys think in the comments um yeah I think that that's pretty much it for this podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Again, it was kind of more of me rambling on today, but, uh, you know, whatever. It's Sometimes this happens. This is the way these podcasts go. Uh, so thank you guys so much for listening and watching to this podcast. Uh, um, and I hope you guys come back and see, see you guys next time.